Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We are looking at the second weekend of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which put up a great hold for Marvel and the MCU. We'll see where it falls in the long-storied history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Plus, there's a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Before we get to that, though, just a quick reminder on a couple things. First of all, if you didn't see in the past couple of weeks, I'm over on Cameo now. Cameo is the thing where you can go in and request uh, things like a birthday greeting. I just did a bunch of Happy Mother's Day things. It's it's been a really interesting and fun new way to connect to people. So if you want to check that out, if you're looking for a gift for somebody that might be a fan of the channel, Cameo is a great way to do that. Look down in the description below for that link. Also, as always, I'm trying to keep the channel growing. So I'm going to do that YouTube thing that everybody does. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you like what you're seeing. And also, if you are a subscriber, hit the little notification bell so that you know when I post a video. Both of those things really help this channel grow its reach and grow its subscriber base. So thank you in advance uh, for doing those things and let's look now at the box office for this past weekend and the number one movie of the weekend was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in its second week but the big story there is the hold only a 47.6% drop in weekend two that is one of the best MCU holds of all time we'll look at that chart in just a few minutes 62 million dollars total on weekend two for Guardians of the Galaxy and I have a lot more to say about that the Super Mario Brothers movie once again looking like the immortal juggernaut that it was just a 32 percent drop from week five to week six and a 12.6 million dollar total book club the next chapter it really effectively worked as counter programming five years ago but it opened to less than half of the originals total five years later just over 6.6 Six million dollars. It looks like perhaps they should have stopped at chapter one on this franchise. Evil Dead Rise, another impressive drop, 36.7% from last week for a $3.7 million total, staying in the top five. The movie's now over $60 million domestic and $130 million worldwide. Not too bad for a film that was at one point slated to go straight to streaming. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret puts up the kind of hold that I think many were anticipating in week two, just a 22.4% drop from week two to week three and a $2.5 million dollar total opening just outside the top five was robert rodriguez's hypnotic starring ben affleck it had one of the 50 worst openings for a film in over 2,000 theaters and i'll have more to say about hypnotic in another film that opened this past weekend in a few minutes in seventh place john wick chapter four an 11.3 percent drop from last week so the later stages of its release still continuing to hold impressively a total of just over two million dollars love again which was just in the top five last weekend drops to number eight with a 39.1 percent drop and a 1.4 million dollar total air despite being available to stream on prime video still gets a top 10 finish in probably its last weekend in the top 10 with a total of eight hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. and spending what is also probably its last week in the top 10 is dungeons and dragons honor among thieves a 45.8 percent drop and a total just under eight hundred thousand dollars at seven hundred ninety-two thousand five hundred and fifty-eight. Dropping out of the top 10 this week, we had Guy Ritchie's The Covenant after three weeks and Sisu after two weeks. So two smaller films that had 
had relatively impressive runs given expectations and the size of those movies. When we look at what I like to call the road to recovery, so that dotted black line you see there is the week-to-week box office for this year. The red line is the combined box office average for 2021 and 2022, basically since theaters started reopening. And the blue line is the combined box office average for the weekends from 2015 to 2019, so the five years preceding the pandemic. You can see that as we have been doing for most of the year, we are kind of right in between that blue line and that red line at just over $100 million total for the weekend. You can see that the average for 2021 and 2022 is very low. The highest performing film for those two years was the second weekend of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which had one of the biggest drops in the history of the MCU. The highest performing film for the years 2015 to 2019 was the opening of Captain America Civil War back in 2016. That helps to keep that average as high as it is. We'll see how fast X does this weekend to see if we creep up closer to that blue line. So a couple of domestic releases that I wanted to talk about, and one of them is a film that was at one time slated to be a wide release, but ended up as a limited release, meaning it opened in under 1,000 theaters, and that is the film Knights of the Zodiac, which opened outside the top 10. It was an adaptation of Saint Seiya, which was a very popular anime series around the world, less so here in the United States, but very much more so around the world. Knights of the Zodiac was released, or I should say distributed here in the United States, States by Sony, but it was actually funded entirely by Toei Animation. It's something that's been in the works for the better part of a decade, and there have been reports that it had a $60 million budget, although it seems like perhaps that $60 million was to establish what was intended to be a three-film franchise to start. Now, I don't quite know exactly what is going to happen from here on out, because it certainly did not do well here in the United States, under a million dollars in limited release, and it has not done particularly well around the world either, so it looks like this is going to be a money loser unless there is some kind of a savior that swoops in and really boosts these box office grosses. But we have Knights of the Zodiac, which was, let's say conservatively, a $30 million film. And then we also had, as I mentioned, Hypnotic, which was Robert Rodriguez's latest film starring Ben Affleck with a reported budget of $65 million, which opened in sixth place, but not an impressive sixth place opening. And when you look at these two movies, Knights of the Zodiac and Hypnotic combined, you have an investment of about $95 million dollars in budget for a return thus far worldwide for both films of about 7.5 million dollars we've talked about mid-budget films on the show before here's two films that were mid-budget that have not had a good return on investment although to be fair i did out of curiosity actually see both of these movies last weekend and neither of them were particularly good Hypnotic was, I thought, stuck in the 90s and um, laughable at times when it really didn't intend to be. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is a is a is an odd guy, and um, his advancement or lack thereof as a filmmaker over the years has been very interesting to watch. I don't really quite know what they were going for with that movie, and um, yeah, it's 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 a weird watch. And the Knights of the Zodiac was, uh, if you would have told me that it was was made and then stuck into a vault in 2006. And then, like, they found it and and just blew the dust off and released it this past weekend, then I would actually believe you because it did feel like a throwback to the Dragon Ball Evolution type of, I hate to invoke that name, but it it wasn't that bad, but it felt like that era of movie making, that mid-2000s era when nobody really knew what to do. 
uh, with anime properties, especially in live action. So not shocked to see either of these movies not doing well, but this is still a pretty big loss on investment for both of them. So I hope what this doesn't do is discourage other people from making or distributing mid-budget films, because for me, with both of these movies, it was much less about the size of the budget than it was about the quality of the movie. Let's take a look now outside the domestic marketplace to the top five films internationally. So this is all markets outside of the U.S. and Canada. Guardians of the Galaxy also had a stronghold internationally with a $91.9 million total, followed by the Super Mario Brothers movie at $26.1 million, Godspeed out in China at $13.1 million, Born to Fly also a Chinese film at $8.9 million, and then Evil Dead Rise at $6.7 million. When you take those international grosses, you combine them with our domestic weekend grosses, we get our top five movies worldwide for this past weekend. Guardians of the Galaxy bring in another $153.9 million worldwide just over the last three-day weekend, followed by another $38.7 million for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Godspeed at number three with $13.1 million. Evil Dead Rise at number four with $10.4 million. And then the domestic opening of Book Club, the next chapter, boosts it to number five with a total of $9.8 million. So let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mentioned that it had a very strong week Weekend to hold, and it was actually so strong that it was one of the top three holds weekend to weekend in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The best hold from weekend one to weekend two was Black Panther, which dropped 44.7%. Then we had Thor all the way back in phase one with a 47% drop. And here we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the third best hold in MCU history with a 47.6% drop. That beats all other films. The other Guardians movies were actually pretty consistent, a 55.3% drop and a 55.5% drop for Guardians 1 and Guardians 2. So three holds better than both of those films. And then look at all the other movies in orange. Apart from Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, the seven other Marvel films all had the worst hold from weekend to weekend in the history of the MCU. Part of that is the pandemic effect, but part of that is that most of those films, I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home, that was a a bit of a trick of the calendar as far as its big drop there. But even the ones that people enjoyed, like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, had big drops from the first to the second weekend. We don't see that with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and it just goes to prove that word of mouth does mean something. Cinema score, which I brought up before, often does mean something, and it was an indication that it would probably hold well from its first to its second weekend. And it also is kind of evidence, as I was saying last week, that you can't really proclaim this movie as a hit or a flop, unless it had opened to like $300 million, then it's pretty safe that it's going to be a hit. But based on its opening last week, it was far too early to make any kinds of judgments about Guardians 3 or the MCU in general. I said it would all be about how it did in Weekend 2, and here we see one of the best holds in the history of the MCU in Weekend 2. So the people that proclaimed Guardians 3 a flop last weekend are looking pretty silly, but that's the important thing to remember. It doesn't really matter to most of them that they look silly because they got what they wanted. They got the views. They got the rage bait. And that's what it's all about for a lot of people. Not everybody. There are a lot of great analysts out there, but a lot of people out there are using box office numbers to support a narrative that they're usually already pushing or holding about Disney or Marvel or the MCU or whatever. And they're not going to go back and correct it. They're not going to go back and say like, oh, well, you know what? I was actually wrong. Um, Guardians 3 wasn't a ruinous flop for the MCU. They got what they wanted. They got the views and the monetization and everything else, and they've moved on to the next thing. And they're not going to go back and correct that mistake because that's not the game that they're playing. And that's why I kind of impress the message and continue to impress the message on this show that it's not about convincing them 
to not do what they're doing because they're doing exactly what they want to do and they're getting the exact results that they want. It is really important for you, the viewer, to practice discretion and find people who are actually out there providing information. If you want Disney rage bait, if you want to hear that the MCU's dying or that Disney sucks or whatever, there are plenty of channels out there that will tell you that every single week and use every scrap of data to justify that, whether it holds up to scrutiny or not. But you really do have to go out and find people, and I try to be one of those people, and there are other people out there who are actually pushing reliable information if you want real analysis, because this is a great result for Guardians 3 and for the MCU, and we'll look at how it stacks up against the other films. Uh, but this held even more than I thought it would. I thought, based on the cinema score, that it might hold around 50%, maybe 52 53%. A sub-50% drop is really strong. Now, we'll see how it does against Fast X and The Little Mermaid, and then going into June, uh, The Flash and how these, you know, this middle and later part of its box office run goes. But this is really good news for Disney. And, and it kind of underlines what I also suspected, which is that if there is a problem in, in the MCU proper, it didn't translate to the Guardians franchise. It really has kind of felt like it's, it's almost its own franchise outside of the MCU. And that's kind of what we're seeing with this hold right here. So a great week, too, for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, really, you know, no notes. And when we look at the MCU domestic grosses through 10 days, you see currently right now it is tracking ahead of where Thor Ragnarok was. It is tracking just behind uh, where Spider-Man Far From Home was was tracking so that's not bad it's kind of right above average i'd say above that middle line in the mcu and certainly tracking far ahead of quantumania and uh, shang chi black widow eternals a lot of these later uh, you know post 2020 mcu films now, the big difference is that Guardians Volume 3 has a budget that's about 70 to $80 million higher than Ragnarok and Spider-Man Far From Home. So it does have a bit of a higher bar to clear, and that's something to keep in mind as we go, although it also is looking pretty good on the worldwide front, which we'll check in a few minutes. Uh, but that's always something to note, the fact that Guardians Volume 3 does have a budget closer to 225 250 than the other films, which are closer to 170 180 Looking at it adjusted for inflation, you see that Guardians Volume 3 is tracking ahead of the Winter Soldier, actually just behind or almost on an even pace with the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And the movie that I think we should be tracking as far as enthusiasm and how it does is Thor Love and Thunder. Because Thor Love and Thunder opened last summer to about $25 million more than Guardians Volume 3. But I think it's very likely that we will see Guardians Volume 3 have a final domestic total that's higher than Thor Love and Thunder, which would put it in about the 350-ish million dollar range. So that's what I'm going to kind of be tracking because that'll be a good kind of illustration of how it's not always the opening weekend. It's it's about the legs because Thor Love and Thunder did not have very good legs. It had a big week to drop. It fell off very quickly. If Guardians Volume 3 keeps doing what it's doing, then it's going to chisel away at that lead. It's going to chip away. And I think that we're going to see it. I would say that we are going to see it bypass the final domestic total of Love and Thunder. Just another thing to keep an eye on. And speaking of what's next for Guardians Volume 3, you saw this graphic last week. It was about domestic legs for MCU movies that had an A cinema score. I actually just need to correct one thing. For some reason, I had Shang-Chi listed as the best legs for a MCU movie with an A cinema score. It's actually Spider-Man Far From Home. 
and a couple of eagle-eyed viewers caught that. So the multiple was right, but the movie was wrong. And looking at how these shake out, again, the worst case scenario would have it only at about $270 million. It's, it's almost at that point. It should pass that point this week. So obviously the worst case scenario is off the table. If we're giving it a $350 million final gross, that would put it at 14th all time in the MCU, just over Thor Love and Thunder. That would be just under the Guardian's average legs, which are 3.1 times its opening weekend, but over the average and median for MCU films with an A Cinema score. So that's about where I'm looking at it right now. We'll see, you know, if it continues to hold like it's holding, we could get up there north of $350 million, but I'm upgrading. Last week I said, well, you know, maybe it'll be around 315. Obviously it's holding up better than average. So I'm revising my estimate to around 350. And of course that is subject to change as we track the movie. Looking at the franchise tracker for the MCU, I mean, really this is a tale of two movies. Look at that. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is already the 24th highest grossing film domestically in the Marvel Universe. It surpassed the entire domestic total of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in just 10 days. It has now outgrossed Quantumania domestically. It will pass the grosses of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange, uh, possibly Captain America the Winter Soldier this upcoming week and next weekend. That would make it 20th all-time in the MCU. And then it just becomes about how much above that $300 million range is it going to get. Like I said, if it gets up to Thor Love and Thunder, if it gets to $350 million, then that would put it in at about 14th place just behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So we will see how that progresses. When you look at the chart adjusted for inflation, Guardians Volume 3 is at number 28. It will soon bypass Ant-Man, Captain America the First Avenger, the first Thor film, Shang-Chi, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, probably Thor the Dark World. Then we get into Doctor Strange territory, and then upwards of $300 million, it becomes about passing Winter Soldier, Thor Love and Thunder, and seeing how far into that top 20 adjusted for inflation the film can get. And then looking at the tracker by Worldwide Gross, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now at number 24. It has also bypassed the Worldwide Gross of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. It's at over half a billion dollars, and we will soon see it breach things like Iron Man 2 and Ant-Man and the Wasp. If it can get to Thor Love and Thunder, $760 million. Again, that puts it just behind the original Guardians of the Galaxy. If you can pierce that $800 million mark, then we could be looking at a top 16, 15 Marvel film. I don't know if we're going to get to that 855 that Black Panther Wakanda Forever put up, but we'll see. I mean, if it holds well against all of this competition, it very well could. And then there's a lot of room to operate when you get into that $850 million range. Bottom line, unless it explodes, Guardians 3 is not going to be a top 10 MCU film, but it is going to be a solid double. It might leg it out into a triple for the MCU, and that's okay too. Franchises don't have to produce a top 10 film every time. It's not a flop. That's the main thing right now. Unless the bottom absolutely drops out of it, Guardians Volume 3 is going to be fine. It's not about downward potential at this point. It is about upward potential, and that's what we'll be tracking in the weeks to come. Before we move on, though, there's another thing that I wanted to point out, and it's another superhero film that is not as fortunate, and it's one that just wrapped up its box office run. I'm talking about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is now, I believe, the lowest grossing entry in the DCEU of all time. And so I wanted to kind of look at how much money that film may have lost in the theatrical window. So let's look at those figures. We've seen charts like this before on the show. This is given market estimates, theatrical grosses only. First, we have a 20% share 
share of China, which brought in just $4.3 million. That's an investor cut of less than $1 million. 40% of the international gross, which was about $70 million, that translates to about $28 million going back to investors. 60% of the week one gross, that's about $21 million back to investors. About $6.7 million going back to investors from domestic week two. And then only about $4.3 million going back to investors from the rest of the movie's domestic run. When you look at the budget estimated, there's a lot of different numbers out there. I'm going to kind of go in the middle of a lot of them. A budget of $125 million, prints and advertising costs of about $100 million. So we're looking at costs of about $225 million, which puts Shazam 2's loss in the theatrical window by my estimate at $162.9 million. So that's the number that would have to make up in merchandising, in endorsement deals, uh, product tie-ins, etc., in physical media sales. Now, there's going to be a number on paper as far as streaming sales, although keep in mind with HBO, a lot of that is them selling it in effect to themselves, one division of the company selling it to another division of the company. So yes, there is money coming in on paper uh, for things like streaming rights, but because it's going to go to HBO Max, I guess soon to be Max, is that today or next week? I don't know exactly. But since it's being sold to Max... um, Yes, it's profit, but not really. Long story short, Shazam! Fury of the Gods was a big money loser for Warner Media in the theatrical window. And probably, I mean, if it wasn't already the end of the DCEU, it would have spelled the end of Shazam regardless uh, whether the other movies were thriving or not. So uh, we have one success story in the in the making and then one um, opposite of success story with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We have so much more to break down, but before we get to that, I would like to thank the sponsors for this week's show. This week's episode is brought to you by Babbel. You know, the summer movie season is underway, and the summer travel season will be kicking off soon. Whether you're an experienced traveler or traveling abroad for the first time, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture. Well, that's where Babbel comes in. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, and the lessons are so fun, quick, and easy to manage that you still have time to learn before you leave. Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life, and you learn how to have practical, everyday conversations. And unlike other language learning apps that use AI for their lesson plans, Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, and in addition to lessons, you can also access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Start your language learning today with Babbel. Right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash Dan. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash Dan, D-A-N, for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode's brought to you by Stamps.com. You know, you see a lot of the work of doing a channel on screen, but it's really just the tip of the iceberg. Anybody in this field is basically a small business owner, which means that every hour, every dollar, and every minute is precious. Stamps.com understands this because for the last 25 years, they've been helping business owners like me save time and money. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer, no going to the post office for postage or even to drop a package off. You can schedule that pickup right on your Stamps.com dashboard. Merch is a huge part of the online space, and shipping costs can add up quickly. Luckily, Stamps.com has huge carrier discounts, up to 84% off of USPS and UPS rates. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses because you get what you need right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. 
Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL. Let's take a look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. At number one in just two theaters is the film Monica from Italian director Andrea Pilaro. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival last year and put up $13,938 in two theaters this past weekend. Just behind by a margin of $3 per theater was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which brought in $13,935 per theater in 4,450 theaters, so just a few more than Monica was playing in. At number three, is the sound documentary 32 sounds bringing in just over twelve thousand dollars in one theater at number four the starling girl playing in only four theaters for a total of five thousand nine hundred and sixty one dollars per theater and at number five penelope cruz's film la mencita in two theaters bringing in four thousand five hundred and seventy nine dollars per theater looking at the films in limited release so these were movies in one thousand theaters or fewer as i mentioned knights of the zodiac ended up playing in only five hundred and eighty six theaters i believe this was at one time slated for at least close to a wide release just over half a million dollars total again keeping in mind that the budget on it was at least probably 30 million dollars if not more it looked like about a 30 million dollar movie with 90 million dollar aspirations so not a great start for knights of the zodiac there at number two was blackberry playing in 449 theaters the original estimate had it much higher but i found final numbers saying it came in just under half a million dollars at 492 thousand dollars it was very critically acclaimed i'm surprised it wasn't a little bit higher it's a movie that i very much want to see but it's not playing in my local market so hopefully they will expand that film in the weeks to come at number three is a very controversial film from india called the kerala story it's a hindi language film that has been the topic of furious debate due to allegations of it being anti-muslim propaganda it was able to put up four hundred eighty thousand dollars total in 166 theaters here in the united states at number four is the charlie day vehicle in every possible way fool's paradise putting in four hundred sixty five thousand dollars in 794 theaters and at number five is nefarious still hanging around in week five it actually added theaters from last weekend with a three hundred seventy two thousand dollar total in 393 theaters when we look at the top 10 limited release grocers of the year Patan remains number one the re-release of return of the jedi is at number two a man called auto's limited release run is at number three with 6.2 million that's before it expanded to over a thousand theaters women talking is at number four the wandering earth is at number five pony and selvan part two remains at number six nefarious jumps two spots to number seven mummies drops down one spot to number eight bows afraid's limited release run drops to number nine and the whale is at number 10 and speaking of films in limited release and at the specialty box office they are often the bread and butter of smaller more independently run theaters and we've been doing something the past several weeks here on the show where i find and spotlight one per week and this week we're looking at what looks like a beautiful old theater called the north park theater in buffalo new york originally opened in november of 1920 it boasted early 20th century architecture and art nouveau murals throughout as well as a large stained glass window in the front of the building over the years the theater's original beauty was lost as subsequent owners modernized to cut costs 
But in 2013, with the theater badly in need of modernization, not just in design, but also in digital projection, the theater was purchased by local business owners and restored, including hiring the original company who designed the marquee in the 1940s to restore it, as well as local artists to bring back the building's murals. The original stained glass windows were uncovered shortly thereafter, and the North Park Theater now operates as a 501c3 nonprofit, Buffalo's only nonprofit cinema. Right now, you can catch Book Club the next chapter there and the North Park also often runs revivals and special screenings and plus it's just a beautiful theater you can find out more and donate at northparktheater.org and of course as always 10% of the ad revenue for this episode will go to the theater as we have been doing for the previous theaters we highlighted good news because of your support I've been able to donate over $200 to the various theaters that we've featured uh, throughout the different weeks here on the show so uh, the more you watch the more you share uh, um, obviously, that's great for the channel, but it also benefits here on Charts with Dan, these independent theaters that we talk about here on the show. So North Park Theater in Buffalo, if you want to see a beautiful, old, restored 1920s theater, give them a visit or shoot them a donation. And if you do either, as always, be sure to tell them that Dan sent you. All right, let's look at some 2023 charts, and we will start with the summer domestic box office. These are only movies that open in 1,000 theaters or more, so it's only four films as of right now. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, obviously number one with $214.7 million domestically. Book Club, the next chapter at number two. Love Again drops one spot from last week to number three, and then we have Hypnotic at number four. Of course, Fast X will be another entry onto this chart this upcoming weekend. Looking at my summer box office predictions versus the actual list, right now, the only movie that's in active release is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is labeled yellow there. That means it is on my top 10 list, but it is in the incorrect place uh, from where I believed it was going to be. I picked it number three. It's currently number one. All of the other films are pending, although my second movie, Fast X, will also be releasing, and then June is going to be a big month for my box office predictions. So no uh, picked correct placement uh, entries yet, and no eliminated entries yet, although I'm sure that will come in the weeks and months ahead as we get into the summer box office season. Looking at the 2023 annual domestic box office, Guardians of the Galaxy makes a big jump. Volume 3 is now at number 2 with $214.7 million. Far behind, of course, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is now at $535.5 million. God, that movie is successful. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania drops to number 3. John Wick Chapter 4 drops to number 4. And Creed 3 drops to number 5. Scream 6 remains in 6th place. Megan is at number 7. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is at number eight. Cocaine Bear is at number nine. Shazam Fury of the Gods actually drops out of the top 10 domestically for 2023. And Evil Dead Rise joins the top 10, depending on how Fast X does this weekend. It could drop out, although I don't have a huge amount of confidence in what Fast X is going to do. Maybe it'll be better domestically than it is worldwide, but we'll see what that opening weekend number is coming up. But for right now, congratulations, Evil Dead Rise. You went from straight to streaming to a top 10 2023 film domestically. Looking at the worldwide box office for this year, the Super Mario Brothers movie is now at over $1.2 billion worldwide. Full River Red is at number two. The Wandering Earth is at number three. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 jumps up two spots to number four. It's now over half a billion dollars at $530.3 million. It will continue to move up that list, and I think it's likely to take that number two spot behind the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania drops down one spot to number five. John Wick Chapter 4 drops down to number six. Creed 3 is at number seven. Boonie 
Bears, Guardian Codes at number 8, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves at number 9, and Megan at number 10 with a total of $176.8 million. Before we wrap up, as we always do, I like to take a look at a weekend from box office history, and we are going back to the 19th weekend of the year in 1999. That corresponded to the dates of May 7th through the 9th, and it saw the opening of Oscar winner Brendan Fraser. Can you believe that we're saying that sentence in 2023? Best Actor Academy Award winner Brendan Fraser's The Mummy opened on this weekend on the calendar back in 1999 to $43.3 million. Entrapment in its second week was at number two with $12.3 million, starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and the late, great Sean Connery. In its sixth week, The Matrix is holding strong, starring Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne, with $5.8 million, just a 32.5% drop from the weekend before. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence's Life was at number four with $3.6 million after a 43.8% drop. And then in its third week of release, but its first week of wide release, was Alexander Payne's Election, starring Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon, a 1,187.8% increase in business and a top five finish at $3.1 million. Of course, we don't like to leave those numbers as they are. We like to put them in a little bit of context and see what they would read like if they were put into today's dollars. So we're going to hit that adjusted for inflation button. And when we do, we have the mummy opening to a $78.9 million opening weekend, followed by $22.4 million for Entrapment in its second week, $10.7 million for The Matrix in week six, $6.6 million for Life in week four, and $5.7 million for Election as it breaks into the top five. And that does it for the show this week. The big release this upcoming weekend, of course, is Fast X, the 10th film in the Fast and the Furious franchise. It'll be the headline player at theaters, but also in many theaters nationwide is the film Buddy Games, Spring Awakening, which is the follow-up to a 2020 film that a lot of people probably didn't see because, well... Not a lot of movies were coming out in 2020. Also opening in limited release, a wide variety of films, including Paul Schrader's latest film, Master Gardener, starring Joel Edgerton and Sigourney Weaver. Francisca Alegria's The Cow Who Sang a Song Into the Future has been making its way around the festival circuit. It hits limited release this upcoming weekend. The French crime drama The Night of the Twelfth opens in limited release. This is from director Dominic Maul and was a multi-César winner. César would be the basically French Academy Awards. It won the César for Best Film, Best Director, Best Supporting actor best adapted screenplay among other films so a big critical hit in its home country of france moon garden which is described as a sort of fantasy dark horror film is opening in limited release as is sanctuary starring margaret qualley as a dominatrix locked in a power struggle with one of her clients those films and many others will be opening this weekend stay tuned right here on the channel i will have my review of fast x probably on thursday evening because i'll be seeing the movie uh, at its first available screening on thursday afternoon I am um, quite interested to see what this movie has in store. And tying into Fast X is a special that I'm going to be doing later this week, which is probably my what's, what I've been calling my Monday show. I think it's going to become kind of a news show that rotates depending on the day of the week when it's appropriate. But it's going to be a show about scoop culture and uh, really what has now become spoiler culture. And spoiler alert, but not really, it's going to contain a revelation about a particular character that I created when I was at Screen Junkies that was very much interesting to the world of scoops uh, and how it ties into this news story that we're going to be discussing on the show. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited to really kind of untie that knot and talk about scoop culture and uh, you know what is uh, journalism and what is ruining a film and what counts as just you know 
tweeting out a plot detail. So there's a lot to break down with that, as well as any other things that may pop up, streaming charts, other reviews, etc. You never really quite know what you're going to get here on the channel. Thank you so much for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.